So maybe you can see why I took such a large chunk of a passage today. He repeats himself over and over and over. John is preaching here about the love of God. Do you think love is a big deal? I think it's important that we know and go deeper into the love of God personally and share that love with others. So again, I'll reiterate that main point. We love because he first loved us. So let's start with the he. That's where it all comes from. Love is from God. So first of all, we see God is love. 28 times the word love is used in this passage, at least according to my count, okay? My math is a little sketchy sometimes. I'm pretty sure it's 28. Nine times explicitly it says God is love. Love is from God. It's his love. So make no mistake, love doesn't start here. Love starts there. The very heart of God is about love. And this is what John wants us to know. This is what we were made for. We were made to experience God in a relationship that centers on love. It's for his glory. It's going to show his beauty, his majesty. This is who our God is. But how does he relate to us? Glory is not something that you relate to. But love, love takes place in the context of relationship. This is something that that agape love, that others-focused love, it takes more than one. So here's the mind-blowing thing. We're getting deep into who God is this morning. God is love. But let me ask you a question. How can God be love? I get that love comes from God. But how can God be love? Because after all, doesn't love, by definition, require you to be others focused? To be focused on another? This goes to the heart of who God is. He is one God, but he is a relational God who exists in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. From eternity past, God has been loving his son and the son has been loving the father and the Holy Spirit is the the, the fruit of that love and unifying the Godhead together. This is what Jesus says in John 17, 24. Father, you loved me before the foundation of the world. Have you ever wondered, what was God doing before he created us? Was he bored? Was he lonely? Absolutely not. You can't even imagine the love fest and the joy that God has in himself. I mean, I, I, I am not sufficient in myself at all, but God is. And he's a God who is relational. John already told us in chapter one, verse two, the word was made manifest. The word that was made manifest was with the father. So before Jesus stepped into this world, or rather, the God, the Son, stepped into this world and took on human form. And his name is called Jesus. He's always been. God's always been a father. And the Son of God has always been a son. And the Spirit of God has always been the fruit of God's loving relationship and, and, and equally a member of the Godhead. So if God is perfectly sufficient in this all-satisfying relationship in himself, why on earth did he create us? And there's only one answer to that. So that we would know him and enjoy him and glorify him and love him forever. It's like 
like a, a human picture would be marriage. He, he designed us to reflect him, right? Marriage reflects that. Because he says it's not good for man to be alone. So a husband and a wife that, that love each other, and then a result of that love is what? Children. The deepest intimacy produces additional opportunities to love and have relationship. Now, I'm not saying that God got married or anything. I'm just saying that's kind of the closest picture we have of the ultimate love of God. And, and he decided, I would like to create people in my image for my glory to know me and love me forever. So he is love. That's who he is. And he created us to be in that fellowship. Look at verses 14 to 15. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Okay, so, so why save the world? Verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, that we understand this relationship, God abides in him and he in God. He wants fellowship. Jesus didn't come, fulfill all things, die on the cross and rise from the dead just so you could avoid hell. It's a great blessing. And that might be enough as it was from a faulty human perspective, but that's not what God made us for. He made us for fellowship. So for eternity, we will enjoy God just as God has been enjoying God from eternity past. It's mind-blowing, guys. Mind-blowing what God has done. And whoever loves knows God. Whoever loves God or, or loves from that love of God abides in him. There's that ongoing relationship. There's intimacy there. This isn't just a, a cultic thing. We come and worship and then, okay, now you've done your duty. Now you can go home and, and do whatever you did before you came here. If this worship time doesn't produce more love for God and a desire to know him and obey him and and spread his goodness through your family and through our community, then this is, this is all a failure. God didn't make you for Living Hope Church. He made you for himself. Are you enjoying him and loving him with all that you are? Jesus said that's the most important commandment. That's saying something. Jesus could have said a whole lot of things. He's got a lot of commands. Most important, love God with your whole heart. Mind your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself as like unto it. And, and secondly, under love is from God, we see that God demonstrated his love. He showed it in the gospel. Verse nine, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So here's the rub. Love comes from God. Love does not come from me. God made us to know him and love him, but... In Genesis 3, we're told that Adam and Eve wrecked love. Instead of love being focused on God and his glory and loving others better than ourselves, now love became twisted. Now love thinks about itself first. I want what I want. I don't care what God wants. I don't care how this is going to affect my other relationships. Man, that fruit looks good. Man, I want to I be like God. Well, God made them to be like him. That's, that's not an issue, is it? I want, to be like God. I want to be like Jesus. Is that the wrong thing to say? No, but, but what's the object of that love there? It's certainly not God. It's self. 
And 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4 tells us that's happening today. Love is being twisted. It's selfish. I'm born a sinner. I'm born loving myself. No one had to teach me how to do that. And that kind of selfish love did not come from God. It's not holy. It's wicked. And since the source is not from the eternal one who is life, it will lead to eternal death and condemnation forever. Don't take my word for it. John says in verse 17, there is a judgment day coming. It's, it's a fact. It's, it's a, he, al- he almost mentions it kind of offhand there. Judgment day. He doesn't really unpack that. It's assumed. It's a fact. There is a judgment day coming where we will give an account for the life that we lived. And I'm afraid that some of that account is going to be selfish, proud, wicked, disobedient, rebels against God. We're all in that boat. We're all born that way. But God showed his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, murderers, haters of our brothers and sisters, only focused on ourselves, God was focused towards redeeming a people from every tribe, tongue, and language for his glory to invite them back into that fellowship. But there was a cost for that. There's a price to be paid. This is what God revealed to us, right? What is the gospel? God sent his one and only son. His one-of-a-kind son. Yet the son that he had loved from eternity past, and there's no treasure greater to the father than his son. And the spirit would agree. The spirit's always in agreement with the father. And the son's like, I love you, father, and I want... I want the world to know your glory. And so the three in one said, this is what the plan is. It is to redeem fallen man, to reconcile sinners back to God. But a price must be paid. And that's what that, okay, I guess I lied. There's one big theological term here, okay? Propitiation. Our sin wrecked this relationship. And the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Which means we're toast. <laughs> there's, there's not enough lambs in this world or in human history that could cover all of our sins. So the Son of God became the Lamb of God. He took on human flesh. He lived the perfect life in our place as an obedient son, as one who loved God and loved others perfectly, fulfilled the law in all things, and willingly gave up his life and shed his blood so that God's grace and his love and his mercy would cover all the sins for his beloved. And those who put their faith in Jesus and turn from their sins can walk into fellowship with God and Jesus is the open door. He is also the only door. So when we look at the cross, we see the heart of God. His, his pure, just, righteous heart to judge sin and wickedness. He was not doing anything unjust in his punishment of sin. What was painful and is heartbreaking to think about is that Jesus was the perfect one who endured that for me. I can do it. He was the propitiation for my sins. Just a couple weeks ago, we were uh, hanging out with our family and we decided to go to SeaWorld on our family vacation. So we, we get some of the tickets online, not all the tickets online, some of the tickets online, 
and and we show up at the gate. We're ready to go through. Our whole family is together. If you know my family, I've got I've got three siblings. They've all got kids. We've got grandma and grandpa there. It's quite a circus, okay? We're all trying to get through together. And so we're bringing up the rear, and we get to the gate. I got the app pulled up my phone, and they scan, scan, scan the four tickets that we had. And, uh, and we're like, okay, and, and, you know, our one child is, is of this age or, you know, this special group in school that they get in for free, right? No. No, that, that's a different park you're thinking of. That's not this park. What? But, but we already paid, you know, this certain amount, and we're all here. And can't you just let us in? Now, this might shock you, but SeaWorld said, no, we will not let your little one in. So we had a decision to make. Do we go ahead and go in the park and we, and we leave one of our children outside the park then for themselves? We think we did. We went back to the ticket booth and we waited in line and we bought another ticket online because it was faster online than the way you line for the ticket. And then we got to enter into the park. All the tickets were paid for, we were good. But as I think about that, I think that's a great analogy for how people view their relationship with God. You're just going to let me in, right, God? Just welcome me in your home. Welcome me in your family. I I have no love for you at all, and I've been selfish my whole life, but you just let me in. Or I can crawl over a gate over there, you know, a fence. And There's one turnstile to fellowship with God, and it's Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. So folks, the gospel is the good news of God for us. It's hope for the world. This is the message that we have. But people around here don't think they need the gospel. They don't think they need an atonement for their sins. They think they're pretty good people. So we are in pretty much a pre-Christian age where we have to tell people the bad news before we can get to the good news. Everyone assumes, yeah, there's a heaven, there's a God, and I'm, I'm going there. I wasn't. <laughs> I'm a sinner. Until I met Jesus and he changed my life. He is the ticket. You have to believe in him. So if you're here this morning and you've realized, I've never actually turned from my sin and my unselfish and my unloving ways and trusted in him as my savior, then can I say that the father is inviting you to himself today. Turn and, and trust him. Jesus alone is your way. Will you trust him? and be saved and if you have put your faith in jesus and that shows that the father has called you to be his child and jesus is your savior and the holy spirit is the one at work in your heart because god always works together right three in one then there should be a family resemblance that i'm bearing here this morning living hope church should be like the spitting image the id that when the world looks at us they see jesus they see his love in us. And that's point number two. God's people love like him. Don't take my word for it. We're getting this straight from the word. Right there in verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. That intimate relationship changes your life forever. It's impossible to look on the glory of God through the cross of Jesus Christ and, and walk away unchanged. Impossible. Now, I'm not saying I've changed completely in one day. I'm a, I'm a little ashamed to admit, but I'll be honest. My growth is very slow. 
And, and little by little, he's changing me, but I am being changed because there's grace to save us and there's grace to grow us through the gospel. But God's people will love like him because we're free. We're not afraid anymore. Did you notice that, that thread in John's letter of perfect love casts out fear? And we have no fear of judgment. We have confidence in the work that God is doing in us because the faith that saved us Christ alone, is the same faith that grows us by God's grace through Christ at work in me alone. Well, sure, you showed up this morning. You drove here. You're opening up your Bibles. You're, you're, you're as best you can, focusing and listening. And But it's God at work in you. And because God is at work in us, and this is all of him, I am free. Not to be afraid. And when that anxiety comes, when, when the, those panic moments hit us, when there is depression, when there's postpartum issues, when there is single mom issues in this community, or single grandma issues, or, or fear of like, man, it, you know, I just got married. I'm trying to figure all this out. Hey, perfect love casts out fear. Let God have that work in you. Let him have, and, and perfect love doesn't mean I love perfectly. It means that God's love is being made complete because we've been brought into the fellowship. And that just renews us day by day to be more like Jesus and to walk with him. Yesterday at Miss Dina's house, I saw just some amazing things. I saw people smiling and serving the Lord. There's a, there's a, a spark in our, in our lives, and our hearts, and our step, and people were singing, people were enjoying, serving, and encouraging each other, which is shocking because Saturday could easily be a me day. You know, I want to kick back. Today's about me. The body of Christ stepped up and said, no, nope, we're going to make it about others today. We're loving, serving, or, or I'm going to change someone's engine out. Because of what God has done for us, we love others and this is only possible because of his holy spirit within us his love at work in us but also his holiness his justice his mercy all of god right because he didn't hold anything back from us he saved us completely he's brought us into himself every attribute of his that can be communicated to us right he can't communicate um his, uh, his eternity pastness. We all had a birthday, right? We, we had an origin, right? He can't communicate to us his omnipresence. He's all over. But his Holy Spirit is in us. His perfect presence. We have the fullness of God in us. We have everything that we need to obey him and love him and know him and grow in him until we see Jesus face to face. So that, that love just casts out fear. So this morning, I, I just encourage us as a point of application is how those ups and downs been lately? The anxiousness, the fears, I feel it myself. A lot of days I'm afraid my motivation is a little bit more fear than love. Can we just let the love of God wash over us this morning and remind us we got no judgment from the Father for those who are in him. And we know where we're going. We know who we have in Jesus. So he's not going to judge us by what we've done that day. He's judging us according to the righteousness of Christ. We pass, but it's because of Jesus. So live freely as 
brothers and sisters, as children of God, as a family of God. And that also means when I have a conflict with a brother or sister, I don't need to hold on to that bitterness. I don't need to isolate and move away from them. Hey, I'm good with I'm good with God. Or if I need to confess something and be made fully restored in that in that relational um, uh, peace, yeah, absolutely. But then I go and seek out that brother or sister. I, I seek to be peacemakers because God made peace for us. We're not handcuffed to fear anymore. And because we're not handcuffed to fear anymore, love also compels us to go out and to make disciples. So we see that in verse 18. Uh, I'm sorry, not verse 18. Verse 17. As he is, so also are we in this world. So who is that he? Quizzing you. It is Jesus. As he is. Go back to verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. So, of course, the Spirit is at work in us. The Father is at work in us. But, but Jesus, we're not, we're not called to look like the Father that we have not seen. We're called to look like the Son of God that we have seen. He is our example. And he walked on this earth, and he taught us, and he showed the way to God, and he preached the gospel of the kingdom. And he says, now you go and do likewise by the power of my Spirit within you. And I'm with you always. We're free. We're set loose to love this world towards Jesus. Verse 14 also tells us we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. We are witnesses. I, I can't even begin to tell you what God's love has done for me. Let me tell you what God's love can do for you. We are happy witnesses. We are witnesses at peace. We're not the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, we got to knock on so many doors. we got to have so many conversations. We're working to add to our salvation. That's a false teaching. That's, and, and they also deny the Trinity. Uh, God is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that should tell you something. If God is not a relational God, then he only cares about what you do for him. We have a relational God who revealed himself fully, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's about being in God not doing for God, but we want to do because we love him. So we go and we make disciples. We see, we testify. Jesus is the greatest need for the people in our community, and the gospel is our message. Here's how much God loves you. We tell you the gospel. If you think you're loving people because you, we're, we're only ever, uh, you know, we just want people to like us. We're just going to be, you know, tell you good news only good news and we're never gonna tell you the bad news about you know sin and judgment and hell that's not loving people the whole gospel involves the bad news and the good news so we love people with the entire gospel message but here's the application point that really stuck out in my heart we cannot love people that we do not know it's one thing to say love our north sarasota community we actually know people in our community that need Jesus, and we love them. We get to know them. So maybe the first step to loving someone and showing the love of God is caring to get to know someone's name. Because God knows them. And he has a plan for them. And I'm trying to figure out what that plan is, but I do know one thing. They're not going to know I love them if I don't even give them the time of day to ask their name or ask what's going on in their life, what burdens they're facing, what struggles they have. 
The greatest way you could love someone today is maybe just ask them what their name is. Tell them what your name is. All right, introverts. I know, I know, it's crazy. Tell them your name, ask what their name is, and maybe that's all you gotta do. But hey, that's the first step. It's the first step towards loving your neighbor, your waitress, your mechanic, your, your co-worker. You can get to the gospel, but, but show them that God knows them and everything about them, who they are, in a personal way. And after church, if, if you'd like some more ideas, how do I love my neighbors? You know, how do I get out of my comfort zone? We can help you with that. And we've, we've got some, some studies. We've got some, some training tools that can help you uh, learn better how to share the gospel. But, but if you don't have love, all those tools can go in the trash can. Without love, I'm nothing, right? First Corinthians 13. I must love my neighbor. And since you become a part of Living Hope Church, just think with me. How many people have you gotten to know? Or have you intentionally built a relationship with to show them the love of Jesus? Or am I kind of am I kind of just simmering in my my same place? Or I just I go home and I watch TV in the evening every evening and and I just I am so tired I gotta relax. I gotta make time to love. Jesus is on a mission and He's called us to join Him in that. Now. Verse 20 says, if we don't love the people we see, then we don't love the God we cannot see. So I've got four points of application for us here. We need need to love God, the God that we cannot see. And and of course, he's specifically speaking of God the Father. We've not seen God the Father. God the Father revealed himself through his Son. So obviously Jesus is God, but but he's talking about the Father there. But But here's four ways that I think we can step up and we can love deeper. The first is get to know your God. Get to know him. If I'm not getting in the word this week, if I'm not spending time in prayer this week, I'm literally missing out on the whole point of all of this. To reconcile us to God, to enjoy the fellowship. If that's all you do this week, enjoy Jesus. Okay, I think that's a pretty good place to be. And then out of that joy, out of that love and fellowship, number two, get to know one person to love them towards Jesus. It might be a brand new person, or it might be someone that you've known for six months or a year, and now it's to that awkward point where if I ask them their name, now they're going to know that I was just, I called them buddy for a reason this whole year. But hey, buddy, how you doing? Hey, what's up, girlfriend? Yeah. Okay. Hey, can you remind me your name? I'm so sorry. I, I forget sometimes. But it's important to me to know your name and, and how you're doing, how your family's doing. Get to know one person this week. Third, want to push us as a church, pushing you. I'm a shepherd that loves you. Want to push us together on July 30th on that Saturday morning to love some children in the name of Jesus, to share the gospel with some kids, which means I also need to get to know people who have kids and invite them and their kids that Saturday morning, right? That, that's in that. Fourthly, I want to challenge us in one other way. We had an awesome day of serving and ministry yesterday. I'm praying for 100 more days like that. Um, Caleb and I were talking about, hey, five, 10 years from now, what would this look like if we had teams of people restoring homes for people in the community? Teams, teams of people with being the hands and feet of Jesus, tangibly showing the love of God. I can't get up on a cross and die for people. That wouldn't help anyways. But here's how we can demonstrate love in our community. We are going to put some nails in that wood. We're going to put those windows in. 
You know what's going to have to lay the groundwork for us to do that? Giving of our time, our energy, making disciples, yes, but also giving of our money. We have to be willing to sacrifice and give by faith and say, God, take this and use it. And then when he gives us those opportunities to love, guess what? We can do it. And we're not going to use the excuse, well, we can't afford it. We're just a little church plant. As much as we give, God will multiply the blessings. Do we give because God is a generous giver? It's convicted in my own heart. Lacey and I have talked recently about um, recent turn of, a turn of events in, uh, in the Supreme Court and America. And now more children and more moms are going to need help with what's going on. Are we willing to step up and give more? because of the times that we live in. And I believe that God put us here for such a time as this. He's had everything he needs from eternity past to eternity future. But for this moment in time, we can be the physical love of God in our community. And we'll never get this opportunity again. So let's take advantage of it. Let's pray towards it. Let's give towards it. Let's give of ourselves. Let's grab our neighbor and say, you're coming to church with me. And I don't care if you scream, I'm throwing you in the back of the car, right? Like this is life and death. This is, okay, that's slightly dramatic but and this is the love of god that he's shown us will we go and show that love towards others and next week we will observe communion we were supposed to have it this week but pastor dennis and i talked and said i think we need to put that to next week and let the church know we're also going to take a love offering i want to tell you right now i don't know the names of the people that are going to receive that love offering yet but god's going to show them to us but I think he wants us to give and show we are willing to love that. No matter what their name is, no matter what their economic status is, no matter where they're at, God, we're willing. We will love our neighbor because you first loved us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the eternal father. You've always been fathering. You're so good at it. You're perfect in love. And son, same God, but but different person, and, and you care about glorifying the Father in all things. And that makes perfect sense of what you did to come save the lost. But Jesus, that doesn't mean your grace doesn't astound us. Can't believe you love us that much, but we do. And Holy Spirit, what did we do to deserve your presence in us? Absolutely nothing. But thank you for cleaning us and regenerating us and, and filling us for the glory of the Father and the Son. God, I pray that we would worship you in relationship this week. We'd love you with our whole heart and pursue you and grow in you and tell others about you and help us to show the love of that relationship with our own kids, with the children we encounter, the young ones, because they know what it's like to have a daddy or a mommy. Now, might not have had a very good one and all the more reason we need to love them but lord everyone can understand the terminology of a father and son thank you for giving your greatest gift for us may we enjoy that gift to the fullest this week and as we worship in closing lord we're going to sing open up the heavens we want to see you oh, jesus we do want to see you face to face but I pray that the way we would see you physically today is through the love we have for one another. May this church always be known for the way it loves you and loves our community well. 
And we know that if we do that, we love the stranger, we love the newcomer, we love the ones that we've even had conflict with over the years, that you would get the glory and people would be added to this fellowship. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.